Um, yeah, so the idea behind this is actually Sven's, uh, Sven's idea. Um, and we thought we'd just talk about some of the week's uh, package releases and, and effectively uh, have a look. If anyone would like to add anything, please, uh, I think you can... Um, I think you can request to speak. Uh, I've never done this with the space before, so we shall see how that looks. <laughs> I'm going to share that with a tweet. Poof. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. I don't see it. Well, I, I guess we wouldn't see um, the request to talk on our... Anyway, we'll, well, we'll figure it out, I guess. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, I'm also going to share a link to this so then get some more people in. We don't have any, any way to share anything in this because I found this, you know, I, when I picked the name Swift Package Indexing, there was, a, yeah. there, was, there was a thought, an idea to that. Let me share that with you at least. I'm not sure how we could share that. Well, if this ever turns into a podcast, this, this could be the title art. <laughs> right okay so as we all know xcode likes to index and um as it announces indexing i guess that's what we're doing on a on a package level now <laughs> nice. yeah okay uh i'm also going to retweet that put in next account apologies to everyone who's listening that's just listening to us set up and sort out You declined to co-host? Oh, you left. I think. Well, we lost Dave then. Let me try and get him back. Let me just re-invite him. <laughs> somehow I, yeah. Somehow, oh, there he is. Somehow Welcome I managed back. to uh, disconnect. I don't even know how. Brilliant. I invited you to co-host again. There you go. Yeah, I got it. Okay, let's let's get uh, let's get started. Cool. Um, so yeah, the, the 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 idea behind this was that we would um, look at the week's uh, package releases because we we kind of keep a little eye on what uh, packages are being released and see if there's any that interest us. Um, Sven and I don't know what each other's packages are that we have shortlisted so far, um, but we will see if we have any duplicates. I would imagine we probably do because um, we, what I did certainly, in fact, that's probably a good place to start. What I did was I looked through the major releases, um, first of all, and then I did actually page through the minor releases too, and I've got a couple of major releases and a couple of minor releases to talk about. Cool. Yeah, this might be might be a good place to point out where you can actually follow along uh, what the releases are on your package releases. So we have a couple of venues. One is RSS, so we've got RSS feeds, the ones that Dave just mentioned, where you, you can follow a distinct... Um, uh, RSS feed for major releases, um, all of the releases or minor releases, um, and obviously you can mix and match. Um, and there's also the um, package Swift PKG updates uh, Twitter account where we tweet out every release. Um, it's I follow that. It's not too crazy the the traffic on it. Um, so I, um, I, I, I follow it too, and and I'm constantly surprised that it's not more. Um, more annoying in my timeline. It's actually, uh, I, I, I don't regret following it. It's, uh, it's a good one. Yeah, there's certainly things in my timeline that are way more annoying than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
So, Mask. let's get started. What, what's, what's your first uh, package, Sam? I've, I've actually um, got a couple of packages that are sort of related, and those are Python-related packages. And, and I think the, the second one you just submitted earlier to the index. Um, one is Python Kit, um, which is a... You can bridge into Python from Swift with it. Um, effectively, you import um, Python objects, uh, and then you can run sort of bridged... Um, functions or you know attributes on on like import sys you, you could do from within Swift and then you know have a Swifty way of, of using the Python um, I guess like the Python runtime to um, to execute uh, which is the I have a soft spot for Python I've, I've used it a lot in the past and, and stuff like that I find really interesting the interoperability um, is just interesting and, and generally amazing and the other thing that you just submitted today was is um, and well we don't have a place we should probably set something up where you can share links with packages. So this is by P. Vieto, um, and the package is called Python Kit. Um, and the other one is Violet, which is a whole Python VM written in Swift. And that is kind of mind blowing. But the most amazing thing about this, so this is, you know, there's different Python implementations as C Python, which is the typical Python that you get, um, like the, the standard Python that you would install. And there's other Pythons as well, um, other runtimes where the spec is implemented in other languages. And this is Python um, written in Swift. But what caught my eye in particular, beyond this just being amazing by itself, is this comment from the README. The whole Violet was written on a 2014 RMBP, which is, I guess, a Retina MacBook Pro. Low spec, eight gigabytes of RAM and 120 gigabytes of storage. So it is safe to say that there are no other requirements. And I, <laughs> I, I just love that. I mean, that's the whole world of pain. I mean, I'm, I'm already <laughs> at the stage where my M1, I, I'm starting to complain about my M1 now. And this person did this on a 2014 MacBook Pro with eight gigabytes of RAM. And is that, that's probably not written in Xcode, right? I mean, I wonder how that works. That's yeah. amazing. So, so it is amazing. And, and um, so I did find this package earlier today. And uh, the place I found it actually was um, I have a subscription to, there's a, on the Swift forums, there's a, a forum there called Swift Community Announcements or something like that. Um, and it's very, very low traffic, probably one or two posts a week. Um, but it's a place for people to um, announce projects to the Swift community. And I don't know how successful it is at announcing it, but I certainly uh, watch and, and that forum. In fact, I have a, I have, I have, I run my whole collection, um, post collection thing through RSS. So I have a RSS subscription to that forum. And that's how I see the posts that, that come on there. And somebody um, announced it. We should actually give the person a shout out. Uh, I need to What's... follow that that forum. Actually, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's worth uh, following. Um, uh, yeah, so the person is uh, Liar Princess, and I'm not sure um, if they have uh, the same name on the Swift forums. I don't have that up at the moment. Anyway, I thought it was a, I thought it was a fascinating pack, um, and certainly a great uh, achievement. Um, I've not been traditionally a, a Python uh, developer uh, of the of the. Um, the dynamic languages, the interpreted dynamic languages, I was always on the Ruby side instead of the uh, Python side. But uh, I think from your physics background, Sam, you potentially that's where you, you got your Python experience, was it? Yeah, it might also be, when when did Ruby come out? I mean, it's Python is quite a bit older, right? It is, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think at the time I started that sort of stuff, I don't think Ruby was around yet. Um, I did a couple of smaller things later on. It has certainly some really interesting things that, that Python lacks, but... 
it never really, you know, once you once you know one of them, it, there's not much point unless there's really external pressure to do so to mm-hmm. to pick up the other one. And I, I did a bit of it when I um, did Ruby on Rails because that was that was actually very strong. Um, motivation to start with ruby for the rails part of it um but once that project was sort of over um i went back to to you know doing the day-to-day stuff in python because that's that's just what i knew mm-hmm. <clears throat> um and actually so if we move on to to my first uh my first package that, that we uh that's on my list there is actually a ruby connection there as well um so there were two big releases um of um, testing packages in the last uh, week, both Quick and Nimble um, have been uh, have had major releases in the last uh, in the last week or two. Um, and if you're not familiar with Quick and Nimble, they are a um, BDD or a set of BDD um, uh, testing packages. So behavioral behave yeah behavioral de- driven development. Um, so I became familiar with that style of uh, testing through. Ruby and through uh, RSpec in Ruby, um, where you kind of describe what your uh, testable code should do uh, in in English, basically, and then uh, fill in the test to, to to make sure it does it. And uh, I always get these mixed up which way round they are. But I think Quick is the BDD framework, so the framework of structuring tests into this kind of arrangement and then nimble is the matcher for that so that's all the assertions basically so the combination of the two gives quite an aspect um style of testing the thing that always frustrated me i've tried quick and nimble on uh on on um swift projects before and the thing that always is just a little bit frustrating is actually xcode in that because of the way that xcode tests work um the entire test framework at least at the time when i tried it had to be all inside one like test that xcode saw and so you'd either get a pass or a fail and of course you would get better you get good feedback um as to where the failure was but it never quite like xcode i think just isn't really um set up for that style of of of, of testing i'd love to see i'd love to see apple do some work in that area i think it's a good way to structure tests um but right now it just wasn't quite good enough for, for me to, to adopt it. And I, I stuck with XC test in, in my testing. And certainly in the package index itself, we have only uh, XC test uh, tests. Yeah, I've, I've used the matcher part um, in the past. I also can't, can't tell apart which one is which. I've never actually done BDD. Um, it, that, that just I, it has never clicked for me. But I love the, uh, the matches because the test assertions are are so much nicer to write. Big problem is it's quite a buy-in, so um, it's very opinionated. You really have to have everyone on board with that style of of um, of assertions. I've I've done it in one project of mine way way back, but then I always tended to go back to just XCT asserts because you just know it's going to work, right? It's yeah, not great, but it'll work. Um, and I, as you say, I'd love for for Apple to do. To, I mean, this is this is such a Break you know, it breaks the swift illusion having to use these. Um, well, there used to be macros, right, in in the Objective C world, um, I think, or at least they they really stand out as as you know quote unquote non swifty. So I'd I'd love for for something to happen there. Yeah, and uh, you, you never know <clears throat> um, whether that will ever uh, 
will ever happen, but I, I'd certainly be very happy to see it. Just to um, reiterate as well, if anyone has anything to add, uh, please do feel free to um, request to speak. Um, obviously, Sven and I can talk uh, all day, but uh, if, if anyone would like to, to join in, then please do feel free to, to, to request that. What's next on your list, Sven? Cool. Next on my list. So I've got, um, I've got actually, my list is way too long, but the next one is Code Editor. Um, this is a Swift UI component by Helge Hess. Um, Zside, I guess that's how you pronounce his um, GitHub um, handle. And it's, it's effectively a Swift UI um, text view that does um, syntax highlighting. I think it, it does a couple of other things. I think line numbers. I'm not sure about line numbers, but it seems like a really nice component that you can drop into a Swift UI view. And um, I saw that with apprehension because <laughs> it, I could see the opening of a rabbit hole there. If I if I get um, sucked into using this one, I might end up doing what I'm. I want I want a a syncing Markdown editor, um, and I've been sort of reading up on. CRDTs, you know, these syncing uh-huh. structs. Conflict-free resolution, uh, conflict-free data resolution or something like that? <laughs> something like that, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know what that acronym resolves to, but it's effectively data structures that, that know how to resolve eventually. Yes. Um, and without conflicts, and you'll always, you're always guaranteed to get a, a, um, a sync, you know, eventually um, consistent outcome. It comes with a certain, with certain downsides, um, like storage, you never delete stuff, you just have tombstones. That's just the price you got to pay. But anyway, that's one component. And obviously the editor part would be one component. And and this looks really nice. He's, he's got an example app um, in his project that he's linking to. So he's, he's actually using that in projects. And it it seems like an easy easy way to get started with a with a view that does um, syntax highlighting. It does use highlight.js under the hood. So it's it's not, you know, it's yeah, so if, if you're after something pure, that's, I'm not sure how that would actually work in practice, but. Um, uh, yeah, that was going to be my first question. Was uh, so I've just opened up the package page uh, for it on the on the package index, and uh, I saw that it used Highlight.js. I wonder what the underlying. I wonder if it's a web view behind the scenes. I presume it is. I, I would guess so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, web views make pretty good editors these days. Um, I think uh, VS Code is is a good example of a web view that's made a good editor. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So that's not necessarily uh, the the handicap that it uh, that it once w- would have been. Uh, you know, there was a time when uh, content editable in in a web page was uh, was going to be a terrible way to, uh, to 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 build any kind of editor. But that is yeah. certainly no longer the case. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I hadn't I hadn't seen that package. That's new to me. Um, yeah, it wasn't new. It was a release. I think he pushed. Well, I know he pushed out a release this um, this past week. One to one. So not even a, a big one. Yes, looks um, like yeah. uh, one two one is colorful autocorrection. There we go. That was the title of the of the release. <laughs> cool. All right. So package. what's next? Um, is a Swift UI package um, by Daniel Saidi, um, who is prolific in uh, releasing uh, open source um, packages. I'm just looking at his page on the index, <laughs> and he has eight uh, eight packages, all all active within the last year and most of them active within the last couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, so he does a lot of work on open uh, source stuff. Um, and the package is called um, WebViewKit. Um, it's always a little bit surprising to me that 
Swift UI doesn't include a web view yet. Um, and uh, I guess it was also surprising to Daniel because he uh, he's built this web view kit, which is a couple of different uh, Swift UI views. Um, one which wraps WK web view, um, the standard kind of bare bones web browser. And then another one that wraps um, the Safari, SF Safari view controller, which is the more um, featureful uh, web view that includes like spiral and a backwards and forwards button and access to Safari's cookies and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yes, neither of these were particularly difficult to get into a Swift UI app. You just had to wrap them in um, in, a, in a, view, a UI view representable. Um, but that work is done for you here because I mean, that's, it's not particularly hard, but it's certainly, it's an extra thing that you have to do. Uh, and yeah, I just thought it was a nice highlight that, um, that this is the kind of well, this is the kind of package that that I, I I like to write. Actually, I like to write packages that might eventually become obsolete. Like hopefully, in fact, hopefully this summer yeah. Apple <laughs> will obsolete this package because there definitely should be a web view inside Swift UI. Yeah, yeah, I guess it has some shelf life in terms of back deployment. I'm not sure how how yes. does it actually works. Swift UI can you can you use new components on on older OSs, you you can't, right? Can you? You can't. No, that's can't, correct. No. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that's that's definitely going to be useful. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully this gets um, gets obsoleted within months. But 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 like you say, like anyone supporting iOS fourteen fifteen um, is still going to potentially have a use for for this kind of thing. Yeah. What's your um, next one, uh, Sven? Funny you picked that one because I have one by also by Daniel Sadie and um, it's a Swift UI kit, um, which well, is... it's interesting. Before you start to talk about that, actually, so this web view kit was we used to be part of Swift UI kit, and he this week he extracted it into um, into a separate package. See, I was just going to ask, shouldn't you know? This sounds like I just the um, description of this package, and and the reason is. Um, it's not so much the package per se that the reason why I picked it, but it did to us, <laughs> so to speak. So I'm, I'm going to spill the beans a bit. We are working on um, rendering Doxy documentation, and um, we've we've experimented with the packages that are that are shipping with documentation or set up to to render to have documentation um, that we could render. And this this one holds the the crown currently of generating almost 500 megabytes of docs from 1.1 megabytes of source code. So that's, that's how it came on my list because I was, I was working with it this week um, and I saw a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's been quite uh, interesting to look at, um, look at how some of these packages uh, <laughs> generate so much documentation. And I mean, that's, that's great. Um, and, and, and just to, to talk a little bit about what uh, Sam just briefly mentioned there, um, as he said, we are working on a new feature which has actually come together really quite quickly. Um, we've we've been we've been working on it for the last couple of weeks, but it's uh, it, it's been it's been less work than I thought it might be actually. Um, and we're effectively going to be generating documentation on an opt-in basis because um, we can't quite figure out how to. Um, uh, get the right target names for the documentation targets automatically. So if you maintain a Swift package to be able to tell the package index, I have a documentation uh, set where I'd like you to generate documentation for this target. And then behind the scenes, when we uh, build that target for compatibility purposes, we will also then generate documentation. And that documentation will be automatically hosted alongside 
your package page in the package index. So, um, and actually we've got a really a prototype of the whole end-to-end process. We've got a version, it needs some work, but we've got a version of the building process working. We've got the hosting process working. We've got the uploading to um, uh, kind of CDN uh, process working. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I'm not going to, not going to give any kind of estimate of when we'll release it, but it's, it's, it's on its way. It's definitely going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, pieces are there. It's just typing from here on out. It's all just typing. Oh, it's all just typing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was why uh, you wanted to talk about uh, Swiftu, I guess. Um, yes. Yeah. My my next one is uh, again one that I hope Apple will um, make obsolete very shortly. Um, uh, there was a release this week of um, a package called System Colors, which is again a Swiftui thing. Um, it's always been surprising to me that the standard UI kit system colors, you know, like the primary color, secondary color, that kind of thing, um, didn't make it into SwiftUI. And so this is a very simple package. Well, you, you should never say it's simple when you're talking about someone else's code, but it's certainly a very, um, it's a very scoped package in terms of all it does is it provides those system colors to SwiftUI, which again, not the most difficult thing in the world, but actually a nice little time saver. Um, and there was a release uh, this week that added a few more colors, um, and some documentation, but what it did to me, like as I saw it flash past in the uh, RSS feeds, it just highlighted that this package existed because I hadn't seen it before. Nice, I totally missed that. That's that's nice. It's a bit like that. Uh, a couple of packages that do this for SF symbols, right? The um, making them sort of type safe and autocomplete. Yes, the, the yeah, stringified exactly. thing is. Yeah, they, it's these are really interesting that they that they're not shipping. Um, it's funny that, but it's the kind of thing that I. I'm actually surprised that these system calls are not already uh, exposed to SwiftUI, but yeah. certainly I would expect this package to be obsolete within either a couple of months or a year and a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. So What's my next, next one is, uh, is uh, can you have favorite packages? I think that's one of my favorite packages and um, I'm, I'm going to expose myself as a utter fanboy of Point Free Co. Um, they, they just have really good third-party libraries. And this one is Swift Parsing. This is um, sort of a bit in the news because they're they're wrapping up Swift Parsing series, um, their video series. So Point Free have a video series where they talk about Swift and um, alongside their their series, they, they develop open source packages um, of really, really great quality. And Swift Parsing is interesting because it introduces a... Um, result builder based on DSL that where you describe your data um, that you want to pass. Um, you can do all sorts of things with it um, to transform it into types. Um, everything is type safe, really nicely done. Um, and it has, uh, this is the latest extension, has parser printer. So you can then again use that same um, description of your data to to transform a, an object back into its you know text representation. And the representation doesn't necessarily have to be text. So the input is generic, it can be something else, which opens really nice possibilities and they go into that in, in more depth. But well, I, and, yeah. and so something you were talking about with, with me the other day was was how we could potentially use this inside package index. So um, right now we have a, um, a, a type inside our uh, code, which is generating URLs to you know some people all over the web app. Um, but Sven, if you want to go into a bit more detail, uh, you had some ideas on potentially using this for that. Yeah, the the problem with that, we've sort of added this type, which 
which does a similar thing. Um, and that is you use that type both for routing. So you have an incoming request um, and you, you find out which route uh, matches that and then uh, call the corresponding route. Um, but you also want to use it the other way where you generate a URL from within your code dynamically, for instance. You know, you have a, we have a package and we want to render a package URL. Uh, and obviously you can, you know, pluck out the things that you need stringify them into an inter interpolated string and then use that. But, but you can easily see how that, that is fragile, right? If you change URLs, you have to find all the places where you generate them. Um, and we've we sort of worked around that by introducing a type that, that does that for us. But it is quite a complicated type. It makes everything type safe, but it's it's not easy to extend. And where swift passing comes in is that you describe your sitemap so to speak in one place and then because it's a, a parser printer it can pass it the incoming request so this is an instance where you don't pass a, a string but you pass the incoming request and then you can do the routing based of that but you can also take a representation of your type for instance a package and then generate a url via the exact same thing that you used both ways uh, and, and that's really interesting it's it's hard to explain just in in an audio format i think that I'm, yeah. I th they might have a i think one of the episodes recently might be um open to non-subscribers um they typically do that around um their package releases um so that might be interesting to, to follow up on but it's it's like a really good package and what stands out with point Co in particular is is their the, the depth of their testing and, and just how they how they use the type system for for these sorts of things it's it's quite amazing and and certainly i mean obviously a, a parser and the, as i believe the parsing library they've they built can be used for any number of things but it's certainly interesting to see how uh, to see how a library like that can be mapped onto a real world problem like like quite a mundane real world problem like turning urls into data and back again yeah, and once you have it, you know, once you've sort of bought into that dependency, which is really nice because it has so many areas where you can use it. You know, we use it in the in the builder to pass out little strings out of a URL because it's just the easiest way to do it. Um, and, and you know, then there's a router and there's other little bits and pieces that we need to pass. Um, it pops up in, in quite a few places. That's what I really like when, when you pick a dependency, when you find... It's not just one thing you use it for. That sort of gives it a lot more weight, and and you know because there's always that decision. Well, could I do I really need that if I if I need you know I could just split that URL and you know, pick out the parts. It's not that hard. But I've already got this dependency for other reasons, so I use it, and that makes everything better. I, I really love when it comes together like that. And certainly, we we think very hard about adding dependencies, but I have a feeling Sven would be quite happy if you could add a dependency to an entire uh, GitHub organization. And I think Point Three would would just get that uh, that first honor, wouldn't they, Sven? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think we're, we're I, certainly there's only one more package that I've got on my list, which we're going to talk about. But um, just to reiterate, I have said this a couple of times now, but I know people have been constantly kind of coming in and listening. Um, if anyone does have uh, anything to say, please please uh, indicate that you'd like to speak and uh, we can get you up on and talking. Um, um, either with any comments on anything we've said so far, or if you have a package that you would like to talk about, that would also be fabulous. Um, so yeah, my last uh, package um, this week is a, is a package that's been around for a very long time, actually. Um, well, a couple of years at least. Um, it's the networking package by uh, FreshOS. Um, and they did a release, um, well, it's a seven hours ago, so really 
hot off the presses, um, which <laughs> allows you to put in a custom JSON decoder. So um, I've seen that there are, it was, it's, it's always kind of funny that back before Codable happened, the number one um, uh, type of uh, a dependency you might add to your uh, app would be a JSON decoder, right? You, there were hundreds of them. And, um, <laughs> and when Codable came around, I thought, well, that's the end of that set of packages. Um, but it turns out it's not because Bill wanted to go faster and uh, to do slightly different things or to behave in a way or whatever. Um, and so I thought it was quite a nice little feature to add to the networking library to be able to say, okay, well, if we've got this line to bring in data and automatically decode it, what if you wanted to substitute a different uh, decoder in there? And certainly networking packages themselves have become less popular as Apple's networking APIs have uh, have got better. And, and I, it's, it used to be something that I would um, reach for back in the Objective-C days. Uh, what was the name of the, the very famous networking library, AF Networking? Um, that used to be almost, I mean, there's no such thing for me as a, a default import, but I, it, that was as close as it ever got. Um, but over time, I have just started using URL session and, and uh, all those APIs. Uh, but certainly, I know a lot of people still do use Almofire and networking, I think, is, is a close second to that. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was quite a nice little uh, feature they added uh, seven hours ago. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, networking. There's... Um... URL session really has has and and now uh, um, async await um, makes it yep. even easier on top of that. I think that's um, it's it's less and less uh, needed. Um, well, and for us anyway, on on the server side, um, that isn't really something we we would really have to consider, um, given what we get via vapor and um, async HTTP client. Yes. Um, well, I, I've got a couple more, but I, I don't think I don't think we want to go through all of them. Maybe we want to to close it out. Um, sure, that sounds like a good uh, plan. And that's uh, unique ID by Carbo is the name. I think Carl is is the person's the author's. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's Carl on on the Swift forums as well. I I just love that sort of stuff. It's a a you know a very common type. Uh, so this implements a UUID four and V six. Where V six I think is is in draft, so that's not actually um, final yet. But um, it's it's nice to have. And and the thing that I wasn't I wasn't really aware of um, UUID V six has a time ordered um, variant. You you can generate still you know your typical random UIDs that won't have collisions, but they are sortable, um, which means they're they're nicer for uh, unique IDs and databases um, because I, I suppose the idea is that they're more index friendly. Um, yeah. because the insertion order would, would track with um, with the index order, that sort of thing. So straight away, um, you've blown my mind because um, I, I, I had no idea there was even such a thing as like multiple different versions of UUIDs. Um, I thought UUIDs were... <laughs> uh, but, but certainly the one disadvantage, especially when talking about using them as a database ID, the advantage of a standard big in database ID would is that you can say, well, just ordered by that, and that's the, the, the order that they were inserted by, and you lose that with your UUID uh, columns. Um, <clears throat> so that's really interesting to, to see that come back. And is this, I presume, there is a an, uh, an international standard for UUIDs then, I'm guessing? Yeah, this is an IFC. Um, so IFC 4122 uh, is the UUID v one, according to his readme, and the IFC the draft update has the has a new version. I'm not sure what the 
what the timeline is on these. And you know, this is this is really interesting. I'm not sure I'd I'd rely on. I mean, I've I've seen Carl's. I think that's it's really solid stuff. But that's the sort of stuff you'd probably want to have in a standard library. Um, you know, it seems like you know all all this um, um, random functions. You know, the security related stuff um, is is probably you want to be extra careful when it comes to dependencies. But um, I think it's great that that there's stuff like that, and I I can see this. I'm not sure what the plans are. Would this be um, promoted into the um, Swift server? incubation project project at some point because that is um for the don't know a place where there are certain criteria for packages that they that they need to follow certain guidelines so it's it's sort of like a project quality metric um and those are packages that sort of incubate into um into a higher tier so to speak um would be interesting to see what happens with this i well, think I, Carl I has also just... written sorry I can see that Tim uh, Condon is in the uh, is in the listening uh, group here, uh, who I believe is a member of that uh, working group. Uh, so um, I don't know whether he has anything to say on that, but I'll let you carry on until uh, if, if if he's listening and available to talk. Then yes, but uh, I'll let you carry on. Until yeah. Then. Yeah. No, I, I think Carl has another one that is um, URL, which is sort of a similar thing. He seems to have taken on these these fundamental types and and really worked on them and then improved them. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with those if they get absorbed into the uh, into an Apple um, umbrella project. Um, I, I don't know, it'd be really interesting to see what happens there. Interesting. It's certainly the kind of thing that I could see being added um, to the standard library because I don't know how new this proposal um, is, but um, oh, we, have oh, we a, have a request here. After that, it was going to come yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how new this, um, this proposal is, but uh, I can certainly see that as that gets standardized and kind of made uh, made official that I'm, I'm sure apple will add so again with if the theme of today is anything it's let's let's hope for for ops, um, for uh, apple making all these packages obsolete <laughs> right tim you've got i think you've got the speaker hat yes i do can you hear me if you want oh there you go cool. yes hey, uh, hello hey, everyone. Hey. um so yeah, like I think in general, obsoleting packages is a good, good idea, certainly for fundamental types like URL and um, new UID types. Um, I think the work group, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think as a general rule, we prefer to see um, longer term, certainly prefer to see improvements and fixes added to foundation or the standard library. Um, so we come up with this a lot with things like the JSON encoder, because the Swift implementation used to be quite slow. And there are a few other mm. JSON decoders that came out about that. And our approach is because you don't want to kind of confuse the ecosystem by having four different JSON encoders um, and not all of them will fit, like match all the specs or some of them will have edge cases. Like the very, very quick ones are very quick because they don't handle all the edge cases, for instance. Um, yeah. And that culminated in um, a JSON encoder and decoder that was very quick, that was kind of incubated outside of foundation and then eventually made its way into the Linux foundation, which is why the Linux foundation is significantly quicker at JSON encoding and decoding than the, what I like to call the legacy Objective-C, Objective-C foundation. <laughs> nice. I, I didn't know that either. That's, uh, that's something else I've learned today. It's like an order of magnitude quicker. But is, is this Fabian Fitz? Uh, yeah, it's Fabian's package. Yeah. It's his, okay. So you get that automatically on, on Linux. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. I always have, sort of have this in, in the back of my mind to, to actually look at adding that, and now, now we have it already. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, it landed in 5.5, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so that's uh, quite recent. Interesting. Really nice. 
And going back to the obsoleting, I think uh, I actually wrote about this in iOS Dev Weekly a few weeks back where um, Apple stated that their plan was to incubate um, some APIs outside of Foundation and then eventually bring them in. Um, and certainly there's been a lot of uh, uh, activity. Not So they've actually got a... a um, I don't remember the name of it, but it's it's something like found or standard library. Oh yeah, yeah, like the preview. Like There's a preview. A preview, something. yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um, yeah. But um, that's not been the most active thing in the world. But they've done a lot of work that you can just see coming towards. Uh, you, you can see this this idea is working inside Apple, um, and they've just been kind of figuring out exactly where to incubate things. Yeah, it's actually the Swift standard library preview, and we, we do have it in the index. Um, so okay. if you search yep. for preview, you'll, you'll find it. Well, that's been go. really interesting. Um, I think uh, um, certainly I'm very surprised to see how many people joined. I guess that's the uh, that's Twitter advertising the fact that we're in a uh, space and showing it to people. Um, but um, we we didn't put a lot of thought into... Uh, doing this, we just kind of decided to do it a few days back, and then uh, we'll we'll see. We, we thought we'd see how it went. Um, well, I I am guessing that it's. The, I certainly enjoyed this last uh, half an hour of chat. Um, so I think it's the kind of thing we'll we'll do again. Um, and because we'll we'll be a little bit more um, prepared for it next time, um, we might even advertise it. We might even put a blog post up about it, something like that. Well, so you only enjoyed the last half hour because we've been speaking for 45 minutes, just wondering. Have we really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not super surprising to me. I, I can certainly talk. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I think that's probably uh, it for today, though. Yeah, sounds... So thank you all for uh, joining like us. And we will maybe do a blog post and tweet about future spaces like this. Great. Well, thanks Great. for listening, everyone. I'm not Thank sure how much. to actually end this. Oh, there's a button that says end, so that's it, I guess. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.